Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Hi everyone and welcome to another Holler Hour. Um, as you all can see, I've got some guests here from API Middle Tennessee. But before we get into it, um, once again, you're watching Holler Hour on the Tennessee Holler. And um, thank you so much for joining us. And if you want to help us keep growing, you know, keep expanding, we've added a lot of new haulers this year all around the state, trying to keep our elected officials here accountable and also to do things like this and um, let people know about the issues that are facing us right here in Tennessee and the great people that are helping to move our state forward. So go ahead and um, go to www.tnholler.com if you want to help keep us hollering. Um, help support us and keep growing, keep expanding. And if you chip in 10 bucks or month or more, you'll get a hat like this. We'll send you a hat. Just uh, shoot us a message if you do that and you will get a holler hat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, super stylish, just like me. So, um, yeah, please, please do that. And as you can see, we are missing Justin today. He, If you've been checking the Tennessee Holler pages, you'll see that he is down at the state legislature causing some trouble in a very good way, <laughs> trying to hold our um, elected officials accountable and, um, you know, get the get the issues out to you all. But today we have, um, again, once again, we have API Middle Tennessee with us here today to talk about the recent um, shooting, the hate crime that happened in Atlanta this past week, um, the really tragic, horrible hate crime. And we want to talk about it within the context of what's going on here, because there are a lot of, we'll get into it, but, you know, um, you know, with permitless carry and with the racism from our elected officials, you know, namely at the at the helm of that is Marsha Blackburn, Senator Blackburn. Um, so before we before we get um, too much into that, if y'all don't mind, just briefly introducing yourselves. I um, let's start with uh, Stephanie. Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie Kong. I'm a member of API Middle Tennessee. Um, just finished my Doctor of Public Health. And born and raised here from Nashville. And uh, Joseph? Hey, um, Joseph Gutierrez, he, him. I'm the executive director of API Middle Tennessee. I identify as Filipino American. And Kit. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. This is an awesome big fan. Um, Kit Canlis, she, her. Um, I also identify as Filipinx and I'm the board chair for API Middle Tennessee. Great. Um, thank you all so much once again for being here. Um, I'd love to get your reactions to what happened this past week. Um, and then also within the context of what you do at API Tennessee, kind of like API's reaction as well, just kind of weaving that into the conversation. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what, what was your reaction to what happened in Atlanta this past week? Um, Kit, let's start with you. Totally. I think it, immediately the first thing was like a very embodied reaction for me. Like, just somatically it left a big imprint on me and the first thing was rage the next thing was extreme sadness and disappointment of course um and then the next thing honestly was pride like just from how quickly you asked about um api middle tennessee's response 
how quickly our board came together. You know, like I had a really busy day yesterday and my Slack was going off and I couldn't check it, unfortunately. But like by the time I got off, there was a healing space event on Facebook and I was just, it, it just, you know, we're a very hardworking board and everyone here um, donates their time free of charge. And so it's really amazing to see how quickly our community can come together. I've been a national resident for 13 years and I'm just so excited that this is a resource and congregation of people that we now have because even as, as early as two years ago, I, I didn't have a resource like this. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Stephanie, Joseph, I'd love to get your reactions as well. Whoever wants to chime in, what, what, what are your thoughts this week on um, just how this has impacted you just personally again, and then with the board at API and um, just the broader community? Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, as an individual, you know, I, like it took a while to process and then, you know, like there's always that initial reaction of just grief and like, you know, continuing to think about, you know, just like gun violence and all the different layers to that. And you're not just um, in our, our community specifically, but, you know, just at large, just, you know, loss of human life um, and really thinking about that in meaningful ways. And then, you know, just thinking about this organization and just to give a little bit more context too, we're a relatively new nonprofit organization and we got um, started just really officially going last year. So really thinking about how quickly we were able to mobilize, like Kit had mentioned that, you know, it's great because I think, you know, the intention of this organization and our mission is to is to work towards racial justice by building API community, um, lifting API voices and unpacking API identities. So it was just for us to be have this organization at this moment in time is it's like it's a feat in and of itself. And then for this community to come together around this is really important, really nice to see because, you know, I'm thinking in you know, my commitment to living in Nashville, like an organization like this needed to exist for it to feel like home. And that was just like something very important to me. So, right. Yeah. Oh, are you all hearing that? Hopefully, that's going to go away. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Technical glitches just happen all the time on this. <laughs> um, yeah, Stephanie. Um, how about how about you as well? Just to you know, to finish to finish us off with that. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with everything that Joseph and Kit said. I mean, uh, I told them when they, you know, we were first talking about me joining the board of this organization that if you had told me when I was growing up here that an organization like this would exist to create this community and home, I, I wouldn't have believed. I would have been so shocked, right, to hear that. And so to come back to Nashville and to have this waiting for me with open arms um, is really incredible because, you know, when, when the other day happened, when um, March 16th happened, you know, I, it was absolutely tragic. It was devastating, but it wasn't shocking. And the way that the APM Middle Tennessee came together and the way that we discussed the what had happened, all of the different layers, um, you know, we put together a statement and all of the context setting that what we felt like was important. It was all we're all in agreement. You didn't have to explain it, right? You didn't have to say, well, this is the history of APIs in America and this is why we have to tell, call it this. We just knew. And that solidarity to have that across a diaspora that is so diverse um, right. was really beautiful. And so, you know, I think it was just this really moment of solidarity in the midst of, you know, something very tragic. Yeah, yeah, definitely something. Uh, I think that, I mean, solidarity is, in in my opinion, just what's going to get us through all of this and the, <laughs> change the world eventually anyway. I mean, that's that's such a good point to make. But yes, I mean, through this, through tragedy and, and, and something that you said, um, 
you know, about how it's shocking, but it's not necessarily surprising. I mean, this past year, obviously, Asian American, you know, um, racism is not a new thing. I want to make, of course, that's uh, very clear. Um, but we have seen, you know, a spike over this past year in Asian um, with hate hate crimes targeting Asian Americans spiked by 150 percent in major U.S. cities over this past year. Um, there were uh, 3,808 anti-Asian racist incidents, mostly against women. I think that's a really important point to make as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about, which, and again, this, the shooting was, um, you know, primarily affected women um, in Atlanta. And um, so that's, you know, that's definitely a layer to this. And I guess, you know, <laughs> so it's unfortunately not surprising. And, and what, what do you think, you know, what are, what, what do you think has like i i mean how have we ignored this issue you know how we've we've definitely just like as a society ignored this i know of of course i'm not an asian american person myself which so i'd love to hear your thoughts on this but um it just from friends of mine that i've spoken with this past week it just seems like it's something that just like has been very easily ignored by a large swath of the po population so i'm sure especially to you all it's not surprising um but at least within the context of Tennessee, what, and this is probably a pretty obvious answer, but what do you think has played into this, um, you know, just kind of culminating in this awful incident that happened in Atlanta this past week? And whoever wants to chime in, um, go for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think just from a general level, the, the oppression of Asian Pacific Islanders is tied to, tied to being made invisible. And I think that's a really big issue here in the American South and something very different. But what makes this context so different from like more like coastal cities with like a more dense Asian population. So really thinking about in that terms just to be made invisible and like structures of white supremacy that, you know, oftentimes like create these artificial barriers between people of color. So like, it's just what's well, one thing to say that Asian Pacific Islanders sometimes benefit from proximity to whiteness. And then sort of like our identities get mixed up in that and lost in that and like into like this model minority myth, which erases the diversity um, within the group. And then you know, just re erases us all together. So really thinking about that. Um, Cause you know, it's like one thing that we just sit in a blind spot. Um, and even here in the South too, that the discussions around race are often very binary, like very literally black and white. And thinking mm -hmm. about this, this context in which we offer to that, I think is important for us as an organization and as individuals to think about. Right. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely very binary. And that's a really unfortunate thing when it comes to every other <laughs> every other racial group that exists. I mean, it, it definitely washes and erase the, the erasure is it seems to be a huge part of this. And also the erasure of, of not only, um, you know, just Asian Americans in general, but also working class Asian Americans, sex workers, you know, things like that. Um, I mean, and, and, and just women in general, working class women um, from Asian American descent of you know, of, of, of any type of descent from that, from that area. And, um, and so I think that, you know, it seems like there are a lot of different layers to that erasure. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's really, it's really horrible, which is, you know, obviously it's been exacerbated and, um, fueled by, you know, politicians like Marsha Blackburn, who just, you know, the day that she tweeted this yesterday, 
um, the Biden administration, she says, refuses to admit that China is responsible for this virus. What would make us think hashtag Beijing Biden would stand up to them on anything else? And I mean, we've seen she tweets something like this every day. <laughs> it's every single day you go on her Twitter page and she she has something like that. And she goes on Fox News and says things to the same effect. Um, and obviously, that's something that um, I, I think it's pretty clear that that has helped fuel um, this issue that has been largely ignored. So what what was your reaction or what's your reaction um, to politicians like Marsha Blackburn that say things like that? Um, Stephanie, what are, what are your thoughts on that and how that plays into what Joseph was talking about? I know. <laughs> um, my hands are literally sweating as you're reading that tweet, uh, just because of the anger and all of the feelings that I have. I, I'm starting to get an ulcer. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about that very hateful and inflammatory type of language that has been perpetuated um, by the people who are supposed to be leaders and representatives of our country, of our state, of our towns. Um, and you know, I, we were discussing this actually earlier on a, a Fox um, News interview, talking about this. And you know, what I pointed out was just while that language is very obvious and very hateful, and you can see it. Um, what I'm, what I really just want to point out is that there are, there's language being currently used to frame what has happened in recent days over the past year um, that is just as hurtful, but not as obvious. It's just this sort of like subtle, ignorant, ignoring of the racist experience, the racism um, that has been part of the Asian American experience. And so, you know, I very like currently a lot of the New York Times articles and Washington Post articles are, you know, using language like the authorities are still determining if this is racially motivated. Right. right? Things like Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. To me, that's just as hurtful, to be honest, right? right. To have that denial, um, that complete just disregard for what these types of violent acts actually, what they what they are a culmination of, right? At the intersection of misogyny and, and um, the sexualization of women, of Asian women in particular, of uh, xenophobia, right? Of all of these things. And so I, I feel like people just have to make sure that they're calling out both and not yeah. just the tweets that Senator Blackburn is putting out. Yeah, no, that, that's such a good point. I mean, the New York Times, Washington Post, and most articles and most pieces from major, you know, national, um, you know, news outlets have framed it that way. And they say that they don't know for sure yet, if it is racially motivated, which is just blatantly false. I mean, and that's something that, again, just plays into the fact that this is, it's a, it's, it's erasure once again. And, and I think that something that you said also just about, and this is, you know, obviously a sensitive issue, but the, but the racialization, but also the, the hypersexualization of, you know, the, the, the way that that plays into this attack as well. I mean, the, the shooter said that that was, <laughs> that he's a, a sex addict and that's why he did what he did. Um, but I mean, you know, whether or not <laughs> you think that that was part of the picture, regardless, that still has the same racist undertones because of the hypersexualization that happens. Um, you know, it's, it seems like primarily against um, people of Asian American descent or Asian descent. It's, and that's a, that's definitely a, a sensitive issue, but, um, but regardless <laughs> that, that has a racist layer to it. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know. I, Kit, what, what are some of your thoughts on um, kind of all the layers that play into that and the way that the media has has just completely botched the reaction to this? 
Whew, yeah. Uh, so um, I'm really glad you asked. So I have a long history and passion of advocating for migrant workers, sex workers. Again, I'm speaking on behalf of myself here. Um, I partnered with Red Canary Song in New York a few um, years ago, if you're familiar with them, but they work specifically with Asian American parlor workers in Queens, New York. And I think it's important to talk about, like Stephanie said, the um, intersection of hypersexualization, uh, racism, class. You can't talk about one without the other, right? right? I, I can't tell you how many times I'll meet someone and the first thing that will come out of their mouth is, oh, my wife is Asian or whatever. Or there's this con there's this long history uh, that, that's rooted in like war brides or mail order brides. And it is, it's become a whole culture where people uh, don't see that that's a problematic, that that's like the first thing that you think to say to me as an Asian American woman. Right. You know, I read something, I can't remember what the source was, but about how, you know, um, basically addressing just this, which is that um, basically Asian American women have been a source for white men, white military men specifically to um, kind of uh, express a lot of their discomfort, rage and whatever that kind of toxic masculinity. And I think it's tied to the stereotype of Asian American women being submissive. Mm. That translates to uh, regardless of your country of origin, it, it translates to Asian American women at large, regardless of, of where you're born. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, just from, just for, again, just from friends of mine who are of Asian American descent that, uh, the, the submissive aspect to that as well, just seems like something that just, it enrages friends of mine that that's like, you know, that that's part of the part of the perception, I guess, um, that plays into all of this. And then also, you know, just kind of going back to the the way that the media, not only the media has reacted to this, but also, you know, of course, it's law enforcement that came out, you know, the sheriff that came out initially in Atlanta, um, who said that the, that the shooter was having a bad day, you know, that he didn't think that it was necessarily racially motivated, at least at that time, which again, we can, we can all agree that that's it's obvious that it was racially motivated and the fact that he framed it within the shooter is the one that was having a bad day um is just i mean that just plays into there's so many layers to how extraordinarily racist and problematic that is and then you know and and this guy <laughs> this sheriff also um you know has been called out since for posting racist memes and promoting these racist covid shirts on Facebook that says at the bottom, it says something about how the virus has come from China, China, the way that Trump used to pronounce, you know, pronounces the, the word China, the country. Um, and, and, and this is the guy that's coming out that that's in charge. It's part of this, you know, systemic, you know, this massive systemic issue um, that's within our, our law enforcement and our criminal justice system. Um, the fact, I mean, the fact that he is even in charge of this at all, or even in, you know, law enforcement, um, at all is it's it, I, that was that's a huge part of this at least for, in my reaction to this that just completely enraged me um joseph what what are your thoughts on on that and how just kind of like 
And also, and also his apprehension, you know, I mean, we can talk about, you know, the racial issue of, of him being ap apprehended with absolutely no problem. And, and also I read, and, and this is, I, I haven't done a ton of research into this, but I saw from a, a, a Korean news outlet, I think it's called Atlanta K. Um, and they were talking about how apparently law enforcement had been going through some of these spas the day prior saying that there was maybe, <laughs> there was maybe like, I don't know if they'd gotten a tip or something, but that there was maybe something that was going to happen and they were just kind of patrolling, I, I think. Um, and, 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 but yet it happened anyway. So, Again, that's I, I I encourage people to look into that because that's something I need to look into further. But regardless, like the things that we do know, um, Joseph, what are your reactions to the way that law enforcement has um, handled this issue? Yeah, like I think, you know, just to echo what Stephanie was saying, that it's not a surprise. And, you know, I think particularly that the, the violence against Asian women is part of this longstanding continuum of violence tied to um, tied to colonialism. Right. Like this is just right. The rehashing of that, of which you know, like, which police continue to perpetuate today, this colonial dynamic. So I think that just again, like, no surprise, and it's disappointing, and like, it's hurtful, and like, it's it's tough to process really how that feels. But you know, just you know, thinking about, you know, this this is the colonizer, and this is the the arm of which the colonizer works. So just thinking about that all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stephanie, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and we had talked about this again earlier, but just what really bothers me too is that there's just so much emphasis on like, well, we need to figure out what motivated this shooter to do this and get to the bottom of that. Tell me about the lives of the women who were murdered. Why don't I still know their names? Why are there still, right? Like, why is it still taking this long just to find out who are the four Korean women? I just found out this morning names of two, you know, Judith Park, Hyun Jung Park, but the other two, I still don't even know. Why? Why is that? Why is there such an emphasis on this shooter? And absolutely, you know, absolutely, of course, we need to make sure that, you know, that there is justice there. But I, I just feel like we're never going to have any type of transformable just, transformational justice if we're not, you know, pri prioritizing and emphasizing the loss of life that has occurred from these Asian women who were taken way too soon and we know nothing about them i mean like talk about our yeah. ranger, the fact that like the identity is still like that's that's just nuts i mean yeah I, I just feel like you know throughout especially like i mean this is anywhere i've been in this country but truly like there is just an othering that happens for asian members that is just makes us feel so invisible so foreign no matter how long we've been here no matter if we're native, you know, U.S. citizens, it doesn't matter. Um, there's just like there's this like this impossibility that we could be from here, that we belong here, um, and I think that this is all tied to all of that. The fact that we aren't able to to um, you know mourn properly yeah. for, our, for our lost sisters. Yeah, I I think that's probably the most important point. Um, I I would say just the 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 loss of life, the 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 you know, the erasure that went into the whole process of it. But these, you know, the the lives that they had that, as you said, were just cut way too short. It's so, I mean, talk about a bad day. I mean, it's a bad day 
obviously for them and for their families. I mean, it's, it's, it's just ruins. It, it took their lives away and ruined the lives of the people that were closest to them. It's just, it's absolutely horrific. And that needs to be centered through all of this. And, um, and it's just, it also just enrages me just within the context of the larger media narrative that kind of on the right, that has been their largest, you know, um, one of the things that they talk about most, you know, that kind of evolved from political correctness. It's now cancel culture and talk about cancel culture back in, you know, the Jap the, if you want to talk about that, the Japanese internment camps, you know, one of the earlier, um, you know, it's, it's just, a, it just speaks to this larger history of, of um, racism against um, Asian American people. And, and the fact that those issues are just so much larger <laughs> than, um, and so much deeper and so much more impactful in a terrible way um, towards Americans and towards people who've immigrated here or who are living here or visiting or whatever, um, and just not feeling like they're a part of this country. And, and that, and, and the fact that that <laughs> and so many other important issues are just jettisoned by this narrative of, you know, cancel culture when really it's, you know, Asian Americans and other, you know, minority groups that have experienced that, but on an actual, it's like an actually real thing, you know, it's not just a, a media narrative. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just absolutely infuriating. And, um, kind of, you know, to bring this back within the context of Tennessee, I mean, the, the, the shooter, one thing that is extremely relevant is that he purchased the gun hours before the deadly spree. And, um, and one of the bills that's moving through the legislature right now, sponsored in the house by representative Lamberth, it's moving on. It passed the, um, it passed the Senate today. I think it's moving back to the house, and um, here we've got a, a tweet from from our page about it. Um, they just passed it. And um, Governor Lee, when he was running, said he opposed um, permitless carry. But he obviously has flip flopped on that since. And it's moving back. It's moving into the House. And um, yeah. And that's something that will make this even, e you know, a like this this killing that happened, this hate crime that happened will be even easier here in Tennessee. Um because of this bill that's moving through the legislature. Um, Kit, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, first I'll say like, uh, I, you know, Joseph talks about this a lot. There's some, there's very specific narrative that goes with being an Asian American in the South. And for a long time, you know, I wanted to leave here. Like if you had talked to me two years up, uh, when I, when I moved two years after I moved here, I would have been like, I'm not staying here. This place sucks. I'm going back to Houston where there's a Chinatown that I grew up in. I went to school or a coast, you know, where people, there's more people that are, are representative of me, you know, in Tennessee, right. only a 1%, you know, Asian population that's recorded anyway. Um, I think there's a lot to say about the lack of protection. We all know this isn't a surprise, right? But the mistrust of communities of color at large against police, who are militarized, over-militarized. Yeah. And we have to bear in mind that as we're seeing state representatives um, continue to embolden this narrative of racism and xenophobia, it gives our citizens the this the same confidence to, to act upon them, right? And, and you couple that with this kind of 
um, this toxic masculinity, the profile of these folks, there's a lot of common denominators, not just in these kinds of hate crimes, but shootings and even in places like schools. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot to be said about this. And I, I think um, I'll say for me, my immediate reaction is, of course, it's it's deeply uh, uh, disgruntling to say the least. I used the word rage earlier. Fear. A lot of that. The under the underlying emotion would be fear. At the end of the day, though, it's given me a lot of motivation, and I can probably speak for a lot of the folks on API Middle Tennessee when I say it's giving me a lot of motivation to stay here. Actually, mm. my heels into the ground and to say. I'm not going to be moved, you know, like I'm planting some roots here because yeah, Stephanie, because it's like, you know, we need to go where the healing needs to be done, where the work needs to be done. Um, and you know, we just can't rely on other people to, to do the things that need to happen to make sure these, these things are, are avoided as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like all this just adds a layer to API middle Tennessee's work, right? Like, cause I think you could, like superficially see like an organization like this being something like networking or like just a culture group. But, you know, really an organization like this exists because, you know, there's a need for us to keep each other safe. Mm -hmm. And like, that's a shame. Like it's just, it's continued. Like we have to protect each other from violence and that's just what this space is for. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to add to that. I mean, you know, Kit and I were sharing earlier some, personal incidents that have happened just in this past year where we felt mm. unsafe and if this per when this permitless gun carry law becomes or bill becomes law i mean in those incidents if those people had a gun i mean like the the type of fear that members of our community are having to hold and 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 for that to just be so exacerbated by again the people who are supposed to be you know keeping us safe is is devastating and i think we just really it's it's so sad because i it's hard to find institutions at this time that are putting forth framing that really captures and has a deep reckoning of the pain we are feeling in this moment the pain that we have felt for this entire pandemic yeah like, don't get me wrong. I'm so I'm grateful for all the people who have reached out who are non-API, you know, and reached out and make sure I'm okay. They're checking in. But what took you so long? Right. Mm. No offense. Like, like, keep doing it. I'm grateful. But it's like at minimum, like the past whole entire year, these murders yeah. have been on the rise. A three-year-old was murdered last year, right, directly connected to all of the hate that has been growing during COVID over the past century. Mm -hmm. you, we, like, where have you been? Thank you for showing up now. P like, but, like hashtags are nice, but like, no, you know, we, we don't need performative BS. We need, we need people who are going to show up and truly, truly do the work of recognizing again, the history, learn the history. And so I'm kind of going off right now, but no, please keep <laughs> going, keep going. <laughs> I've, I've never done a hashtag in my life, so it's, it's hard for me. To <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm just saying like, that's great. That's, but please let that only be a very, very small part of a much bigger, bigger, deeper reckoning and work that we all need to be putting in across communities at this time. 
Yeah. I mean, at the very least, like self-education, you know, um, and of course, being there, you know, being there for for your people for, you know, as you said, continuing to check in. Um, but what are what are some, I guess, ta- I, I know you have some to lead into, you know, some of your events this weekend. What are some tangible ways that um, that people can, you know, kind of mourn what happened, um, but then hopefully maybe take action um, through API, through what you all are doing? Um, and in other ways, just, just what, what, what comes to mind first, um, in terms of how to, to move forward with this in a constructive way to hopefully build a more just future where this doesn't happen, whoever wants to chime in. You know, I think just as an organization, we're, we're still relatively new. So a lot of our, our work is still around building base and finding out like how we can just be involved and how we can show up for the different organizations that already exist, right? Like, cause it's, you know, worth noting here in Nashville and in Tennessee that, you know, there are groups that are already working in their communities and they're just all very disparate. So really thinking about how we bring people together. But I know one of the things we're doing is we're actually having a virtual space for processing the violence um, for API Middle Tennessee community members. And that's welcome. Um, you can find that kind of info on our website, but really it's just a space for us to really just sit with grief and sit with our hurt and pain and our anger collectively and think about it, what it means to us and kind of think about what it looks like for us going forward, I think is, really important. So just, you know, being in community with one another is just, it's healing in and of itself. So I'm also going to add, because I, I love talking about this with nonprofits, please give us money. Please give yeah. us money. Give us resources. Give us a platform to elevate our voice. Lifting API voices is part of our mission, and it's that for a reason. And that's because a lot of times our population is overlooked and dehumanized and it's one thing to be emotionally exhausted. It's another thing to be emotionally exhausted and to have to keep trying to fight for scrap resources to keep the mission of our organization going. So I would say financially back these organizations like us, racial justice oriented missions uh, at large, and also, you know, spend some time understanding the various needs of Asian and Pacific Islander folks within their respective cultures and make the corrections when people are, you know, uh, making stereotypes. I think there's a lot of folks who wouldn't claim themselves as racist, but laughed when people said the China virus and totally dismissed it. I, I've gotten that comment from people on the board. Like, that's... <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and like Joseph said, being a young organization, help us get the word out, whether you're API or not. If you meet an API person, let them know. Because a lot of times when I've been connected, I've gotten the same thing, which is I had no idea you existed. You know, so sharing us on social media, um, telling everybody word of mouth, supporting um, API businesses. We've seen a lot of um, fear driven, uh, you know, uh, folks either, um, closing down businesses entirely, API owners of establishments closing down entirely because they're afraid, um, and xenophobic and racist consumers not wanting to shop there because they're blaming yeah. our community on it. So give them your money too, you know? Absolutely. My God. I mean, I, out of, it's just, it's been a horrible year in so many ways, but it's just so it's becoming clearer and clearer that, you know, 
Asian people of Asian American descent and Asian Americans have been hit extraordinarily hard in so many different ways. Um, Stephanie, do you have more to add to that? Yeah, I just want to make sure you all know what our website is, APIMIDTN.org. There's a donate button with a PayPal. Just so, you know, the kid said, she said it nicely, but put your money where your mouth is for sure. <laughs> um, rhetoric is nice. Action is better. Um, and, you know, do the work. Do the, if, if you've ever caught yourself with sentiments of, you know, and this is what I've heard personally of, well, Asians are practically white. Yeah. Asians are privileged. Asians are wealthy. Asians have this. Asians are doing just fine. Reflect on those moments that maybe you've had that time, you know, why you have perhaps internalized those kinds of sentiments. Where did they come from? Um, and do the work. Uh, and and really, really educate yourself. But, you know, beyond educating yourself, you know, uh, I think um, making sure that even in your workplaces and your the institutions that you're a part of, um, speak up. And if you see institutions are framing this instance, and right now institutions are sending emails, right? Of like, oh, this is the sorry email that we have about the incident that just happened. And you're seeing that they're not calling out racism, white supremacy, misogyny, all of the things. If they're not saying those words explicitly, let them know that they should say that. Those kinds of words are the kinds of phrasing that continues the feelings that so many in our community have that we are not seeing, right? And so just, you know, participate in that. But also, Make sure that then are, are you helping to center Asian voices in the appropriate spaces? Are you uplifting our voices? Um, again, with that idea that we are submissive, um, how many times I have been told that just because I didn't speak up in a moment, it's because I'm Asian because I'm submissive. Maybe I'm just listening. Maybe I'm just being right. respectful in that moment, right? So anyway, let's <laughs> do the work and and recognize these moments where perhaps, you know, anyone, anyone on this call or anyone listening in is, uh, has had perhaps participated in that. And, you know, let's work on it together. Yeah. I yeah. And to speak for, to that, oh, go ahead. I go may, ahead. But this includes Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. There's a lot of people within our community that I think, unfortunately, may have internalized white supremacy and bought into the narrative of the model minority myth that our meritocracy is enough for us to succeed in this country, and it's simply not. Um, a lot of folks, because of that, maybe, you know, find a hesitance, and, and a lot of it can do with the culture of origin, um, being afraid of lifting their voice. Or even we have, uh, I know a handful of folks who are maybe of mixed race uh, and don't identify as Asian enough, I would call in those folks too, because we need your voice, you know? Um, so I think there's a lot to be said for also um, API folks seeing themselves as people of color, acknowledging that and understanding that you know, it's not just the Black, Latinx, you know, Native American. Those are not the only people of color. We all benefit from lifting each other up, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's really quick on the, the when the BIPOC term came up. I'm, I'm so, I was so glad that BIPOC came, like, was a term that was developed. But I had to Google whether or not it included us. Like, I, I wasn't sure if that was mm -hmm. intentionally to not include, right? Like, or was it to center in? So... I, I think just that's just sort of speaking to what Kit's talking about of like, yeah, we have, 
I think we have also felt marginalized in, in a lot of spaces, not just, you know, Asians versus white people. So I want to make that really clear. That's uh, those are all such good points and um, they're, they're good things for, for me to think about as well. And also just, you know, coming from, from my own community, I mean, a lot of this comes down to white people fixing our own spaces. So, you know, for, for the white folks that are listening, um, you know, as Stephanie said before, we need to be calling each other out to make sure, hold each other accountable in our workplaces and our friendships and our families um, to make sure that we, you know, literally do the work to build a society where this doesn't happen, where this isn't possible, where lives are not cut short so unfairly um, by such deep hatred and just, you know, deep racism. And, um, and you know, and, and for, you know, we're, we're a media platform <laughs> for media to do better. This is, uh, you know, this is really something that is, I'm, I'm enraged by the way that media framed frames things all the time. I'm sure that, you know, we could do things here at the holler better sometimes. So if you ever have anything <laughs> that you think needs to be better framed, you know, from us, we, we, we take that criticism and please let us know if there are ways in which we can, we, in which we can do better. And, you know, if they're, you know, just for other media, other media really needs to do better because the way that media in this country plays into and reinforces colonialism, imperialism, racism, classism, you know, all of the, all of the intersections of all of those issues and more, um, is, is a huge hurdle and, and it's an interlocking injustice in all of this. So, um, is there anything else? I don't want to cut this short. If there's anything else you want to highlight or anything else you want to touch on before we, before we sign off, any of you? All good. Just all do right. you share the actions. Oh, please. Oh yeah. Um, so there will probably likely be a vigil on Sunday with a different, few different Asian Pacific Islander serving organizations. The details will be forthcoming. So just follow us on social media, API MidTN. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, well, again, hit that donate button if you want to support our work. Um, that's something so important just to remind ourselves that you know it takes money to do this stuff. So, um, but yeah, and then just again the healing space or processing space for just processing this violence for Asian Pacific Islanders. Come join us on Monday. Um, at 6 p.m. Central. Um, again, the details are on social media for, if you want to take part in that. Great. Thank you all so much. Thank you for joining and thank you for sharing. Um, I know it's not easy after something like this, so and it takes strength to do this. So thank you so much for for doing this and also for creating a space um, for folks, you know, as as you just said, the the event coming up. Thank you so much for doing that as well. Um, and if you ever have stuff that you want us to highlight, send it our way. Um, we want to we wanna definitely... Um, lift up the work that API is doing here in Middle Tennessee and across Tennessee. So, um, you know, you're welcome back anytime. And thank you so much once again. Thank you so much, Cassie. Thank you.